3: You know, sometimes you just need a different take on today's sports news, and that's just what we're going to do.
1: woo I say, sports fans. A fresh look at the headlines is here with the Dopey Millennial Show.
3: Your one-stop shop for sports talk. Getting what the ATL needs. A fresh weekend sports talk show. Okay, let's do it. Let's just get down to it. Now, the Dopey Millennial Show is on Sports Radio
2: 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio, 92.9 Night of the Game, and the Odyssey app. It is the Dopey Millennial Show on Caleb Johnson. It's been a minute, guys. It's been a little while since I've uh, taken the airwaves for a show. I feel like I did a, a short show recently. feels like it's been a few weeks ago. I did, like, uh, a little mini show a little bit before that. But to have a, a good segment of time, a couple of hours we're gonna go nine to eleven tonight uh it feels like it's been a while since I've gotten to do a true dopey millennial show so excited to be with you guys tonight have some breaking news that I'm about to give you guys in just a couple of seconds but uh first off go ahead and follow the radio station at nine two nine the game follow my social media I'm always saying dumb stuff on the internet and uh, whatever thought comes inside my brain that I then filter out and uh, it reaches Twitter because I'm a few refusing to call it X uh, follow me on social media at ATL Johnson 18 and like I said the radio station at 929 the game 404 is the number to call uh, if you want to uh, call in over the course of the show we're gonna have a lot to get into is is I um was just on with Chris Thomas talking a little bit about the Hawks, kind of teasing what I wanted to get into. Obviously being uh, uh, the reporter here at the station to cover the Atlanta Hawks. It's been a, I feel like tumultuous might be too drastic a word to describe what's going on with the Hawks right now. But it's been a bump in the road for sure. And I feel like we need to reevaluate realistic expectations. You know, what happened in that first week or so in the season and first couple of weeks, did it change our outlook of what this team was capable of? Are we being realistic with ourselves uh, with injuries and with how the East is shaking out? All those things. We're going to get into that later in the show. Also, coming up in about 35 minutes from now, we are going to go uh, out to the waitfor.com hotline and talk with uh, Joe Patrick, our 99th of the game Falcons reporter. Get his thoughts on what he saw last Sunday um, against the Jets in a really rainy, messy game, what he expects for us to see against the Bucks tomorrow because it feels like a lot is riding on that game. We'll get into the the actual percentages and, and what it all means for playoffs and things like that uh, coming up in a little bit uh, next segment in uh, uh, the rest of the story. But, um, yeah, it feels like it... it, it I don't know. I'm going to ask Joe. It feels to me that this is the most exciting time, the Falcons, the the most excitement that has been around this team, I should say, since before week one started. Like, before week one, there was all the optimism, all the excitement, and it feels like we've returned to a place of optimism and excitement around this team, but I'll ask Joe about that. Uh, Like I said. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, the uh, 940 segments. We're going to do that. Um, but I would like to break some news to you. If you were driving in your car, if you are away from your cellular device so that you are unable to get notifications, I would like to let you know that the 2023 Heisman Trophy winner is none other than LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels. Yes. The guy that... Really, kind of, it feels like towards the end of this season. Really, kind of pushed his way forward to uh, to claim this award is what he took the AP Player of the Year because uh, I'm trying to think of the other award that usually signals the. Um, yeah, I'm blanking on it, Dom. It's the it's the one
1: for like most outstanding player in college. It's, yeah, uh, and that Lord. one went
2: to Michael Penix Jr.
1: Yeah, and I'd... so
2: that's what had me just slightly, like there was a there was a slight bit of of uncertainty. I think that I had around like, oh, is it going to be Jaden Daniels or is Michael Penix Jr. going to be the guy? Uh, because I, I get it. Like I get this award has has changed meanings a couple of different times obviously we know it as uh as, as I was talking to Chris in, in a crossover talk um that it's pretty much become a quarterback award I understand that you know who is the best quarterback in college football is is usually even though there are those other individual awards uh that's usually the way that the Heisman goes um but also because quarterback is pretty much the most impactful position out on the field. We have gotten some others who weren't quarterbacks. Uh, most recently, of course, Devontae Smith back in 2020. Uh, what, Derek Henry in 2015. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's happened otherwise. But I, I think outside of absolutely congratulating Janie, Jaden Daniels mm-hmm. for winning the award, Dom, I'm having a hard time with – I don't know at what, what point it was. I have an idea, but I don't know at what point truly that the Heisman Trophy lost its mm-hmm. luster, yeah. lost its excitement that made us care about what was. You know, the the, the Heisman Trophy ceremony came on at eight o'clock this evening. They mm-hmm. did not announce the winner <laughs> until nine o five. Yeah pretty yeah. much like as i was coming on the air i saw you know jaden daniels put his head down and you know and everybody clapped for him and it was like okay clearly that's what's happening here but um yeah it feels like this is is reached the point of it's an award that everyone knows who it's going to it's not really any sort of surprise um and there's not the same level of of excitement around the uh, the the Heisman Trophy winner. Like, I, I get – it goes to the – it's supposed to go to the best college football player. So, clearly, mm-hmm. putting aside things like, you know, projections of how they're going to be in the NFL, right. all yeah. of those sorts yeah. of things have always happened, and we always understand that. Um, it feels like the person who has won the Heisman had a – heisman moment right and i think that's part of it too dom is Mm that like when's the last time you remember a guy having a heisman moment other than a broadcaster yeah seeing seeing a player do something and Mm -hmm. and kind of forcing it into was that the heisman moment Uh you know kind of thing so like it's funny because like Jaden
1: daniels he had really good game like If there was, and I'm I'm actually gonna do exactly what you just said. Like, if there was a Heisman moment, it was Jalen Milrose pass on fourth and thirty one. (laughs) Yes. Like, if that was the if we're talking about a Heisman moment, that's the Heisman moment. That that play right there, um, you could say single handedly saved their season and got them into the college football playoffs. And you know what frustrated me
2: is that there's supposed to be a a voting period that comes after the season, (laughs) that everyone votes for the Heisman. Right. And your mind is not supposed to be made up. You would like to think until after the season is over, obviously before conference championship games are underway. And I remember, because I've got the tweet. I pulled it up. I tweeted out when when Adam Silver tweeted out the four Heisman finalists, which were this year, LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels, Uh, Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr., Oregon quarterback Bo Nix, and Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. I said, if Heisman voters truly waited until after the season was over, that Jalen Milrow would 100% have been in that Heisman conversation instead of Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix is the one that why? Why are we considering a guy like I? I get that Bo Nix had a a good to great season. The dude's been playing college football Forever. for what eight years. Forever. Like you'd hope by this point, I, I would hope that you would be good enough to be in the yeah. Heisman conversation. But yeah. it felt like we were giving it to him just because, um, like because he he plays halfway decent, and he's been <laughs> in college football for this long. Like, it's yeah. one of those – like, his stats are are impressive. I get it. Uh, what, 4,100 yards, 4,145 passing yards, 40 passing touchdowns. Um, honestly, the one yeah. out of the four that I thought I was most impressed by over their season mm-hmm. was Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. I mean, what happened with Washington and him getting past Oregon twice – Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to, and I, I get, that would have to include yeah. the conference championship game, which they would have already voted by. then. I get all that sort of thing, but I just thought his body of work was more impressive, uh, than, than Jaden And this is me as SEC mm-hmm. fan, yeah. dog fan, you know, all of right. that sort of thing. Um, but I really, a, I thought they messed up by not having Jalen Milrow there because Dom, you are 100% correct. That if we were going to get back to the the essence of the Heisman Trophy mm-hmm. and the Heisman Trophy moment, it is Jalen Milroe fourth and thirty one against the Auburn Tigers, and he made in that play Auburn, happen in the Iron. Like yeah, everything about that game, everything about
1: that play specifically, screams if, Heisman.
2: I mean, it, it changed the trajectory of their season. Yeah, literally. If they lose that game, they're not in the
1: college football playoff. They don't even make it to the what SEC conference championship game if they would if they would have lost that.
2: I can't would remember. it have would it have been I think, LSU? I think it may have. I can't remember. Okay, I, I, I was about wrong. to say my memory is terrible when it comes to those things. <laughs> yeah, um, tiebreakers and stuff. Yeah, but I but I believe you are correct, um, and that's just one of those. Yeah, that is a that is a career defining season defining change the trajectory of his team, put the team on his back. You know whatever you want to call it, um, because while. Um, you know, Bond made an incredible catch on that play. It's also like, dude, put it right there. Dotted it right on you. Um, but yeah, so congrats to Jaden Daniels, who wins the 2023 Heisman Trophy. Uh, just doesn't feel like it has the same excitement that it's had in the past when we were truly wondering, you know, is it is it Jameis winning a second year or is it Marcus Mariota um, yeah, back when, you know, Derek Henry was winning it and, uh, RG three, you know, in the season that he had with Baylor, uh, obviously the years, of you know, Cam Newton coming through that sort of thing. I don't know. Just felt like it, it, it was more special back in the day. And maybe that's me as a dopey millennial starting to get older and look down at these Gen Zers and go, ah, it's just not what it used to be, but it truly doesn't feel like it has the same essence that it's had in the past, but congrats to LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels. You are truly a part of a new brotherhood that you'll get to enjoy for the rest of your life and uh, enjoy all the perks that come with it. Coming up, we're going to get into the rest of the story, all the headlines of the day. And boy, is there a $700 million headline to get into. It's the Doping Millennial Show on Sports Radio 929 The Game and the Odyssey app. back Back.
0: Back. let's get back to the show
3: now
1: it's the dopey millennial show get out
3: of your mind from sports radio 92.9 the game
2: sports radio 92.9 the game and the odyssey app it is the dopey millennial show i'm caleb johnson here with you taking you up until 11 o'clock this evening Finally, get a full, you know, couple of hours of a show. Actually, I get Dom longer than Chris Thomas had. Uh, he had no idea that the Army Navy game was going to run so incredibly late today to uh, to to shorten his show. <laughs> Listen, we started coverage
1: of that game at two o'clock. Two o'clock. Chris Thomas did not get on the air till seven <laughs> twenty. He was scheduled to be on at six.
2: <laughs> it's insane. Absolutely insane. And I mean, you know, I guess if it's going to be a game, I mean, hey, and, and to and to to the credit, they made it a game at the end. They did. Um, yeah, that's uh um Army Navy game and so many other things going on today. So, don without any further ado, let's get into the rest of the story. Now.
0: Now. Now. The rest of the story. The rest, the, rest, the rest of
2: the story. We'll start off with that Army Navy game that, yes, was won by Army, seventeen to eleven. So, uh, I think that'll. I'm trying to remember who around here. Oh, it's uh, it's Zeno. That'll that'll be to the excitement of one Mark Zeno, uh, as his Army Black Knights mm-hmm. were able to uh, pull off the win. Over. Can I say this? It What's threw,
1: was it Was it just you that it threw me off that Army's the Black Knights, but they were in, like, the camo kind of goldish tan yeah. color? <laughs> and so, like, it was throwing me off because every time I looked up, I thought it was Navy, and I was like, well, no, wait, no, that's Army. Never mind. yeah It, it was throwing me off.
2: That's uh, They always try to do something new every year now with their uniforms for that game specifically, and I feel like they think that fans will get excited about new uniforms. <laughs> Not uniforms. No. We just want to to know who's playing <laughs> on what side of the ball. Right. Stop mixing colors that don't fit the theme. It's just a yeah. So that's it, it's uh and, and I can't even say it's an idea for them to like sell merchandise because they could still sell <laughs> yeah. merchandise it's without RPG. changing yeah. the actual jersey. No exactly. one's no one's buying. An Army or Navy jersey. At least I don't think so. Uh, To the extent that, you know, just wanting a this says Army, this says Navy kind of thing to rep my side. Uh, Yeah, it feels like they always miss the mark. The NBA does the same thing, uh, obviously, with with the fact that they bring in a new jersey every year. But, uh, yeah, Army gets that one this year. Took it a really long time for them to figure out the end of that game for it to actually end up. 17-11, 17-11, Army winning over Navy, but uh, nevertheless, they got there. And that was the one college football game of the day. So uh, get ready for uh bowl games coming up now for the rest of uh, this college football season while we only have it for just a few more weeks. And then we will once again be craving college football until it comes around next August. Uh, also going on in the, uh, the headlines of the day, Shohei Otani agrees to a... 10-year, $700 million contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers. What's the rest of the story there? Well, is the fact that Shohei Otani broke the news himself on Instagram. So you know Elon Musk is got to be really ticked off right now that uh, the news broke over on Instagram. Now, what else is interesting about this Shohei Otani deal is the news that uh, as multiple people, I know Ken Rosenthal is the one that I had seen reported, there are, quote-unquote, unprecedented deferrals in Shohei Otani's contract uh, that was apparently, this was Shohei's idea, that he wanted deferrals for the majority of his contract um, to be paid later so it doesn't affect the luxury tax for the Dodgers um, and their, like, on-hand cash availability to go out and sign other players. Essentially, this is Shohei Otani saying... Bro, I've been playing with the Angels too long. I want to make the playoffs, and I want to win. Isn't it amazing how contracts can make
1: you sound so selfless for taking a $700 million contract? (laughs) oh, man, he's so nice. He's deferring all this. They're going to be able to spend money. It's like you kind of forget, like, guys, he's getting $700 million. Like, he's he's doing fine. It's (laughs) like when
2: Matt Ryan used to take his contract uh, the last couple of years he was here as a signing bonus. And I was like, oh, how kind of Matt. To clear up cap space so that we can go sign other players. It's like, he's still getting his money. Like, it didn't go anywhere. He's just... Yeah,
1: he just pushed it down the line a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, that's sw-
2: what you know what? I'm wondering, so is Shohei going to become the new Bobby Bonilla? I was just about to
1: say, Bobby Bonilla, you better move out the way. <laughs> $700 million, what are those deferred payments going to look yeah. like in 2050?
2: <laughs> it's got to be insane. But uh, here's the other funny thing about Shohei Otani's contract. The Dodgers aren't able to say that Shohei Otani is coming to the Dodgers. Like Shohei went out on his own today and just tweeted a photo of the L.A. Dodgers logo and essentially put, hey, coming to L.A. Um, The Dodgers right now have a full 40-man roster. So logistically, they have to clear a roster spot before they can put Shohei Otani on their team, which means... They are not yet allowed to officially announce Shohei Otani coming to the Dodgers. Uh, they've had to decline comment. Also, there has to be a physical taken by Shohei, which apparently has not happened. Which why has that not happened yet? Um, I I figured that would you know. It sounds like Shohei did really coordinate this with the Dodgers, is what it sounds like. Uh, which I really appreciate. Like I just find that hilarious. Uh, mainly because, A, it's not affecting my team per se. Uh, and then the other thing is just, like, anything to make it kind of an awkward shuffling of, oh, yeah, we got to figure this one out, and uh, the player be the one to make this announcement instead of some insider. I respect the insiders that work hard to get their their scoops and to report on things, but this whole thing with Shohei Otani has been hilarious. It's actually something that I'm going to get into in the final segment of this show and just the, uh, the way that some of these insiders have turned into, you know, finger wagging and, oh, shame on you for affecting yeah. the game of baseball. Yeah. You know, Dom, obviously I was talking crossover with uh, Chris Thomas, you know, Major League Baseball talking about we really would have loved to market this whole thing a lot better had we had more information. It's like, bro, how many years – it is Mookie Betts and, exactly. and Mike Trout gonna be killing it out in LA. Mm-hmm. LA mm-hmm. and you can't market those stars. Yeah. Like, don't yeah, stop it. It's Ron Racuna Jr., you can't market him outside of Atlanta. You've messed up a- any ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Aaron Judge, you tried your hardest to market him and him pulling off, you know, a first time record breaking season for home runs for the Yankees. And yet you still couldn't make people care. Like, it's just Major League Baseball is the one that's messed this Mm -hmm. up, not Shohei Ohtani. And honestly, I think what Shohei did was actually pretty funny. I love it. Of like, hey, I'm going to actually think things differently if you leak information that I'm interested in you. So, you know what's funny? It reminded me of...
1: Do you remember when J.J. Watt signed with the Arizona Cardinals and he tried to, like, keep it under reps? And, like, he made the announcement with, like, a picture of him working out in a Cardinals jersey. And, like, they were like, oh, yeah, they were sending, like, Cardinals stuff to, like, his neighbor's house because he didn't want people (laughs) to, like, see the address and know that, like, oh, this is J.J. Watt's house and he's getting Cardinals uniforms. like Stuff like that. It just reminded me of all that.
2: Yeah, well, actually, I mean, J.J. Watt was the one to actually talk about Shohei Otani Mm -hmm. when he was like, oh, hold up. When a guy is is you know real flashy and in the media about where he wants to go, you call him selfish. But when he keeps it private, oh, he's also like you can't have it both ways. Yeah,
1: they they say it's a bad it's a bad bargaining tool if you go out there and basically state, hey, I want to go play here.
2: Yeah, so it's just you you can't have it both ways. And honestly, I've really enjoyed Shohei keeping it under wraps because it allowed me until the moment that I saw the tweet today that Shohei Ohtani has signed a 10-year, $700 million deal. You know what? I still thought it was possible that he was coming to the Braves. (laughs) And then that tweet came out, and I said, oh, come on. Never mind. It was never going to (laughs) happen. For $700 $700 million? million Wasn't even close. No. Wasn't even in the Braves' ballpark. No, there was never a moment where that (laughs) was They didn't even make the call. (laughs) No. Yeah. Alex, Alex, I I love, because he was asked about it, about winter meetings, and he was like, we're only looking at our, that's the, we're done looking at position yeah. players, yeah. essentially, yeah. free agents. Uh Yeah, that was, you know. You don't say. <laughs> really. It's like, yeah, he was trying to keep a little bit of, of pomp and circumstances. Maybe. No. like It was never going to happen. And, I mean, if we were all being realistic with ourselves, we knew that. But it was it was still fun to, to think it for a moment until you saw 10 years, $700 million. Uh, that's what the Dodgers have been doing. They've been clearing payroll. I saw something that their 2025 payroll was uh lower than the colorado rockies like it was just they they were bare bones knew that they were potentially in this one and they got their guy so good for them speaking of money did you see shohei
1: otani will get paid more over the next 10 years the 700 million dollar contract is more than the oakland athletics have played have paid their entire staff for the past 10 years I believe it. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I believe it. In one contract, Shohei Otani has made more money than every single player on the Oakland Athletics for the past 10 years combined.
2: Sheesh. Insane. Wild. But, uh, I mean, that, that's what happens when it goes from the largest contract ever in Major League Baseball was like $426 million. And we just jumped to seven, just jumped to $700 million. And uh, Shohei Otani's agent getting to act like Dr. Evil now and just, you know, request whatever he wants.
1: Let me ask you this real quick. I know we're hitting other stuff, but it's a question I asked Chris. Do you think we'll see a player eventually, and, like, if if it happens, it would be in baseball? Do you think we'll eventually see a player get, like, a
2: billion-dollar contract in our lifetimes? It feels like it's inevitable, right? That's what I think. As, I mean, as these things continue to grow, I mean, I'm not an economist, so I don't know are we reaching a point where yeah. it's actually going to go down, like that's that right. feels hard to believe. <laughs> yeah. Um. But it feels like with just them hand over fist making money and that continuing to grow and TV deals like what the Dodgers have and things like that, that this is just the numbers are just going to continue to go up and up and up. And maybe when we're talking to our kids about somebody getting a, a one point something billion dollar deal at some point in our lifetime, I don't know. It feels like it's inevitable and that it will uh, eventually happen. Uh, all right, we've got a lot of other things that I really wanted to get into, and I spent a lot of time talking about Shohei Otani, but it was just an insane deal to, uh, to happen today. So we'll get into all of those other things. Coming up next, though, our Atlanta Falcons have what feels like a must win game. Biggest game of the year. All of that excitement is right around the corner when the uh, Falcons take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tomorrow. We're going to talk to our buddy Joe Patrick, our 99 of the Game Falcons reporter about does he agree that this feels like it's the biggest game of the year to this point it's the most excitement optimism this team has had in uh quite some time we're going to talk to joe next on the dopey millennial show sports radio 98.9 the game and the odyssey app
0: to more of the Dopey Millennial Show. How do real-life millennials respond? That fire.
3: Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
2: Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. It's the Dopey Millennial Show. Caleb Johnson here with you, taking you up until 11 o'clock. This intro music... Honestly, I'm trying to think. I cannot think of the name of this song, Dom. Can Remind you name me. the band? No. VH. Okay. The Oh, Van Halen. There we go. Hot for teacher. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'd never have been a big Van Halen fan. Uh, honestly, you know what music I've been on recently? Because I'm the type of person that when it hits December 1st, I like to jump into the Christmas spirit. Same, and same. so I like to start putting the the – Christmas music on now. I have my own like special curated kind of playlist of yeah, Christmas of course, music because right. I like a little of the the classics. I like a little bit of some of the new school hip hop stuff. Yeah, you yeah. know, like like Gucci of uh, is one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. You know, Saint Brickyard. Uh, uh-huh. It's just you know, uh, it's fun, fun yes. kind of stuff. It gets you in the Christmas spirit Absolutely. no matter what form that comes. Uh, but the the group that's honestly I've been listening a lot to. Lately, not Van Halen has <laughs> been uh, the Philly Specials. Okay, so this is the group that Jason Kelsey and um, Jordan Milata mm-hmm. and Lane Johnson yeah. started last year. They recorded a oh, Christmas album. Yes. Okay, I do know what you're talking about. Yes, yeah, they I know recorded exactly. What you're a Christmas talking about. album last year, it's for charity, the whole thing, it's really cool. This year. Jason, of course, gets his brother, mm-hmm. you know, on uh, Travis on to to do a song. No Taylor Swift feature. No, there's no Taylor Swift feature <laughs> on this one. Although that really could have helped album sales, right? They did get some other popular artists, that sort of thing. Like Patty Labelle oh. is on uh, this Christmas. Okay, but it's it's actually like Jordan Mailata can truly can sing. sing, and so it makes it a lot of fun. And it's honestly, it's been a really yeah. incredible album uh, that I've enjoyed listening to. We'll have to find out what kind of Christmas music our next guest listens to is so we're going to go out to the com hotline, bring in our guy Joe Patrick, a 929 The Game Falcons reporter. You can follow Joe on Twitter. I'm still going to call it Twitter, sorry, at J.A. Patrick 200. Joe, how are you doing on the Saturday evening? Guys, I got th- that song
3: that you came in, that, that you came back into the show with, that reminded me of uh, the office when Dwight is like psyching himself up to go in before he's about to go in to make a sale, and uh-huh. he's just like banging his head inside of a inside of his I, car. Is is this the kind of music you listen to to keep yourself up at this time of night on a on a rainy you know Saturday night in the winter?
2: I you know I should wonder if that was Dom's little subtle way of being like, hey Caleb, come on, let's wake up since uh, almost ten o'clock at uh, at night. I feel like I've had. Some pretty decent energy coming into this evening. Uh, had a good day of actually just getting to relax and that sort of thing. But uh, Joe, yeah, are you are you a Christmas music? Do you kind of jump into the Christmas music spirit uh, when it hits December? Uh, I'm 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 bad about it. I <laughs> okay,
3: like Christmas yeah. music. I, I'm, I like Christmas music music actually. When I like go to a parent's house or even if I go to like you know you go to shop somewhere, whatever you hear it on, you're like ah yes, this is nice. But I never think to put it on. Myself, And part of that is because I just don't listen to a ton of music in general. And I kind of have a obsessive personality. And so like when I find something I like, I like listening to the same album or the same few albums or the same playlist over and over. So I'm bad about putting it on for myself, but I do enjoy it. I do like getting in the spirit.
2: You're a, you're a podcast, audio book kind of guy. A lot of that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Instead
2: Bad. of uh, instead of going the music route, well, that's what I was Terrible. telling Dom that, uh, that Jason Kelsey and uh, some of his Eagles teammates have a band called the Philly Specials, and they came yeah. out with a Christmas album is, last year, and they did it again this year. It's it's a really fun listen because Jordan Mylod can is, really sing. Is Jordan is Jordan Davis on that? I heard he him in is. a video. Yes. Yeah, he yeah. was Great. He's on. I think it's the final song. Uh the I never know how to pronounce the Ald Lang Sing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh the whole should all acquaintance. You 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 hear it on uh New Year's Eve typically. Um uh, but yeah, Jordan Davis was on on that track. But uh it's really fun listen and uh just something that I, I like to get in the Christmas spirit this time of year. And so that's been the direction that, uh, much more that than uh not not a Van Halen guy. But Joe brought you on. Cause we want to get into some Falcon's <laughs> talk. Um I feel like, Joe, and you you correct me if I'm wrong, that this is the most excited, the most optimistic that the Falcons fan base has been since before week one, before we truly knew what this team was going to look like out on the court. The fact that there's this chance to really separate yourself in the NFC South and get that shot at the playoffs – even though there's so many other things kind of, you know, tumultuous kind of going on in the background that if you stare mm-hmm. at it too too detailed, you, you see through the cracks. But it just feels like this is a truly optimistic time uh, for Falcons fans, is it not?
3: It is. I, I would say it kind of there, – there's another moment this season that rivals it, which would have been after the team's week two win over Green Bay where they okay. came back, uh, you know, late in the – they were down the fourth quarter, I think 11 or 12 points. Uh, they score 18 points, I think, in that fourth quarter to win it or something like that. Uh, that was – but but I'll, I'll tell you, you know, it's different, though, Caleb. And I think you're right in the respect that, like, I do feel like uh, it's just different because now the stakes feel really real. And I think <laughs> that Falcons fans right now are kind of embracing the fact that, like, yeah, these are, like, the serious games that you play in the NFL season in December and uh, early January. Like, those are the kinds of – like, that's what you want to feel like when you're – Considering yourself like in playoff contention and for as kind of rough as it's been for the Falcons over the course of the season, and people haven't been as proud of the team, you know, uh, at certain times, like at least you're kind of in that conversation amongst, you know, you see your your team's logo on the uh, playoff bracket when they, you know, put it up on Sunday night football, things like that. You know, I think that that's what people get excited. I think earlier on in the season, there was a general excitement for still what this team could be. And you saw them in two games, honestly, not even perform that great, but you got the wins. And so I think that that just gave fans some some optimism and hope. But, um, you know, it's kind of funny that we've gotten to this point, Caleb. I was just thinking about it and yeah, I forget who pointed it out, but I think it may have been Arthur Smith talking to Dukes and Bell actually this week. But, you know, our, our, uh, Desert Ritter is 8-6 and six as a starter in his career so far. Um, the Falcons right now are, yeah, their record is 500, but they are winning the division. If they win this game against Tampa, they will be like, I think, 80% chance to to make the playoffs this year. And for as kind of rough as it's been, like I was just saying – You know, the Falcons really kind of have gotten the end results that you would have expected both, again, out of Ritter's record as a starter and where the team is this year on the kind of trajectory that you wanted it to be. But for some reason, and I I think that it's genuine and valid from fans to have a little bit of discontent just in like the way that it's happened. But it's just funny when you kind of picture how it's going to go in your mind's eye at the beginning of the year. And then it actually kind of happens, uh, kind of how you expect it, but it does, it just leaves you differently because it's not exactly, uh, you, you also experience the kind of downsides of that too, you know, because when you go 10 and six and win a division, you're going to have, that probably means you're going to have some games where you're, you know, it's ugly, uh, uglier than you would have won it. In this case, the Falcons are looking like nine and eight, hopefully wins this division. So uh, it's just kind of funny how things end up playing out.
2: Well, that's you and I were actually talking about this at the channel uh, Game, or well, I should say, the Odyssey right. Christmas party. Yeah, that this team is like two plays away from being eight and four. Yeah, and then yeah. you're just looking at it. So, and and I'm I'm even laughing at myself because I think if if Joe, if you just go a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> heading into you know into the bye week, you're you're looking at this team like, oh man, I just, I don't know. I mean, are are they ever gonna figure it oh. out? I mean, they got quarterback troubles and can't decide which direction they want to go in that you oh, know the respect. The nepotism was coming out for Arthur Smith at that. Point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the fire Arthur Smith stuff was going like, on. All of a sudden, every every
3: bad faith narrative about him and the team and everything they all came up, and then yeah, it's just kind of funny how the results really dictate kind of how how you feel about things, and as they should, you know, it's like the, like he'll always say. You know, we are what you're, what our record says we are. And if you are 4-6, and six, then that's a bad place to be. It feels bad as a fan. But, yeah, you're right that if they literally tackle Kyler Murray one time in the backfield at the end of that <laughs> game, they, they win it, no doubt about it. That ends the game. And there was probably three of those moments against the Vikings, against Josh Dobbs, um, and you don't capitalize on any of those opportunities, and that game ends up swinging. And then, of course, that one in particular – looks really bad on the just on the organization the team for getting kind of out coached in in that in that way but yeah it's just you know this it, there's such small margins in the NFL I was actually talking to Arthur Smith about this a little bit off the record at practice the other day and it's just amazing to think like through the years and he was talking about you know that patriots team that went undefeated um well like they you know uh, they end up losing to a Giants team that like struggled <laughs> through the season, you yeah. know, uh, in in the Super Bowl when that team was like invincible. So you just never know in this league, honestly.
2: Now, Joe, I want to take you back to last week because this was a game that I'll be honest, quite you know, for for me personally, I was distracted. I was up in the mountains of Asheville. Uh, watching this game on my phone while also just trying to enjoy some vacation had had the dog up there in a cabin. It was a whole, it was, you know, very relaxing situation. And I had honestly, I had decided I'm not letting the Falcons ruin my day. (laughs) No matter, no matter which direction this one goes. Um, but just, I felt it was also hard to get a real grasp of things based on weather conditions, penalties, all that sort of stuff. Uh, did you get anything that you felt was, like, a true takeaway from, from a win over the Jets?
3: No, not really. <laughs> like, especially, especially not in terms of, like, scheme or, you know, any, anything like that. I, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the one thing that you can, like, take from that game is just maybe, like, a, a, a positive, um, which, I mean, there's more than one positive, let's be sure. Sure, but like, sure. Desmond Ritter was tasked with not turning the ball over. And basically the consensus was, if you don't turn the ball over, we're going to win. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. It's basically that simple. And that's what happened. So you have to give Desmond Ritter credit for executing that. And, yes, he did throw one. That There was a tiki tack kind of defensive pass interference that was called that, that bail, bailed him out of that one. But generally speaking, he did what was needed to win the game. And, by the way, his touchdown really was an absolute dot,
2: dot yeah. by the way,
3: to, to Michael Crow. So he deserves yeah. credit for that. So he deserves credit for that, too. But other than that, you know, it's just one of those things where it's almost like, you know, they say after a loss, like you just kind of like wash it and let it go. I think that that's honestly probably what it felt like for a lot of those players. You just get in and when you get in those conditions, you just try to get out of there any way you can with a win.
2: It's funny, too, because it it honestly like the, the Falcons walk away with that one feeling pretty confident and then on the other side, the fact that the Jets lose that one, that created quite a bit of chaos in that organization Is now they can't even figure out who they want at quarterback. Yeah. And the guy who started that game, not even on the team anymore. So uh, uh, right. really wild how one week in the NFL can truly change a team. Uh, all right, now speaking up, we, we talked about the fact that there's some big stakes here uh, against Tampa Bay on Sunday. I think pro football focus – put the Falcons at an 84% chance to make the playoffs with a win, 34% chance with a loss. So a pretty big swing in that respect. Um, there's going to be some pretty big injuries, uh, Pretty, you know, guys missing this week, Caleb McGarry, David Onyemata, yes. and Nate Landman. Uh, out of those three, Joe, who do you think kind of hurts this team the most not being able to be there? Man, it's really tough to decide between
3: David Onyemata and Nate Landman just because – both are so instrumental to what this Falcons team is doing, kind of at their at their level. Uh, whether that's the line or the linebacking level, um, David Onyemata, especially without Grady Jarrett, like yeah. he is the absolute leader of that unit. Not just with like the personality and stuff, but you know, as a player, like he's got to be able to perform. And they're not going to have him. They're also not going to have Lekale London, who really came on this year as a player who stepped up into a role kind of like Quan Graham last year and showed yeah. out. Uh, but he's been on IR, so he's not going to be back. So that that's, that's tough. But also, Nate Lamb has just been so key to this team being able to stop the run. They've been one of the best run-stopping teams in the NFL this year, uh, as graded by PSF. So – um, both of those are going to be really, really tough to deal with. I think the good news is that Tampa Bay just doesn't run the ball well typically, and they obviously want to kind of get the ball to their playmakers and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So hopefully um, it would be kind of nice if they just kind of stay away from the ground game. And I think you take your chances with the as Falcons' two starting corners being healthy for this game to go up against their their, their big receivers.
2: Talking with Joe Patrick, our Falcons' uh, 99 of the game reporter here. On the dot 4com hotline, Joe. On the flip side of that, you know, you're going to be missing these guys, but then finding out that after going into concussion protocol, AJ Terrell is going to be available. How big of a boost do you think that is, even if he's not at 100% in this game?
3: Oh yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's vital, especially because of the what he brings physically to the game against Mike Evans, who is a you know, was he six four, um, big, strong. He's a fast big. receiver. <laughs> That's the kind of receiver that you need uh, A.J. Terrell for. That's the reason why they drafted him. He's a big corner with speed that um, can really move his hips and 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 play with a guy like Mike Evans. Having said that, it's funny. He has a terrible track record historically against Mike Evans, but, you know, Mike Evans is that to a lot of people. He's quietly stacking up a first ballot Hall of Fame career. So sure. uh, it's going to be huge to have him. But uh, the good thing is that, like, if you didn't have A.J., you're going to, like, a 5 nine uh Clark Phillips the third or a kind of really slow Trey Flowers so there really weren't many good options behind AJ for this particular matchup against Mike Evans so thankfully uh he's back from that concussion and he didn't take any beating last week really outside of that one obviously shot to the head but just to his joints and things he should be feeling pretty good I would think heading into this one all
2: right Joe what do you think it uh it takes to get it done for the Falcons against this Bucks team on Sunday
3: uh I think I think Desmond Ritter's gonna to need to make some plays. I think it's going to be a high scoring game, like we said, because of these defensive uh injuries. And he said it before, it's like listen, you know, there's gonna be some games where the defense carries us, which has happened a lot this year. The 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 offense finally needs to carry this defense. They've been close in some of these games in the middle of the year against the you know the likes of the Cardinals and the and the Titans and things like that, but they obviously weren't getting the job done. So um Desmond Ritter is gonna to have to throw, I think probably for a couple touchdowns in this one. Um, and again, not turn the ball over, not give Tampa Bay any easy points because again, you got to let you give your defense all the chances possible. So I expect a high scoring game tomorrow. It should be a fun one.
2: All right. That is Joe Patrick, our 9 on the game Falcons reporter. You can follow him on Twitter at J.A. Patrick 200. Joe, appreciate you uh, giving us some of your time on this Saturday evening. Anytime, Caleb. Thanks for having me on, oh, man. All right. When we get back, we're going to get into a conversation that I've been wanting to have for, since we started the show an honest conversation about our Atlanta Hawks and where maybe we've changed our perspective and maybe we got a little ahead of ourselves or a little bit too down on ourselves let's we just need to have an honest conversation about where this Hawks team is right now and we'll do that next on the dopey Millennial show sports radio 989 the game and the Odyssey app